Recording here on a Monday, the rare victory Monday that I'm sure for fans does not feel like a victory Monday, even though the Patriots not only beat the Colts 26 to three, they beat the Colts so badly in case you missed it. The Colts not only fire head coach Frank Reich. Okay. After already firing their offensive coordinator, Marcus Brady, they go out and hire Jeff Saturday to be their new replacement. The latest move in a long line of them where the Colts just absolutely lose their GD minds after losing to the Patriots. Demanding rule changes, of course, after their first AFC championship game here in New England, um, Deflategate, all that stuff. The Colts are a mess, and Sunday's game highlighted that more than anything. Now, if you listened to our last episode, you would have known that the Colts were a mess as we went down all of their rankings. Second worst team by DVOA, worst offense by DVOA, starting a kid that was a healthy scratch, third stringer at the start of the season in Sam Ellinger, and that they needed to score in their first drive uh, or it was nothing was going to go right. What happened instead was the Patriots sacked Sam Ellinger on his first play of his first drive. And as you know, now nine sacks, not a team record, but it tied the record for uh, the Patriots in the Bill Belichick era, which at this point is basically the only franchise history and one really cares about. So here's the deal. We have the format that we run down post game, the good, the bad, the game balls, what would NFL film say and mailbag? I got to tell you, this is going to be the simplest and most straightforward post-game recap and film breakdown because again i got all the notes wrote the article for the herald tomorrow which should be up online by the time you listen to this or watch it all the stats everything you want to know is right in there this however though it was the most straightforward game that i've covered since i started on the patriots beat in 2018 and this was something i said as soon as it was over and re-watching it for the second time today realized that look the things that happened in the first quarter were a as expected as we just covered and b kept happening for the rest of the game. And that was good on the side of the Patriots defense, which will constitute and comprise all of what we're about to talk about for the good segment. The bad, though, also kept happening in the form of the Patriots offense. And that is something we will get to for the bad before we get to the game balls. Now, I'll hit on special teams first. As mentioned last week, we don't talk a whole lot of teams on here, but huge shout out and props to special teams coordinator Cam Accord, special teams assistant Joe Houston, uh, for getting their revenge for what happened in Indy last year. If you remember, pump block touchdown that the Colts scored in the first half of that game. Patriots are coming off a bye. Number one seed in the AFC. Not so fast. They get down three scores going into the fourth, just run out of time. But it really started with that play because Carson Wentz completed five of 12 passes that night and the Patriots lost. And it was because of a special teams touchdown. The Patriots special teams block here. Jonathan Jones flying at the exact moment that he needed to set up their only touchdown three-yard pass for Andre Stevenson who again if you've been listening I hope you stashed in your fantasy team because this is the birthplace of Seasonson as we call him and he still is chugging right along so shout out to them Jonathan Jones spoiler is going to get a game ball but that pump block and overall the domination they showed in special teams across the board Brennan Schooler on the recovery he had more tackles Marcus Jones 23-yard punt return sets up uh, another scoring drive, one of Nick Fultz's 57 field goals that he keeps kicking. Special teams right now for the Patriots, number three by DVOA, okay? Not to be messed around with. That is a serious advantage for a team that needs to seize on all of them. Okay, moving on to defense. Um, <laughs> again, straightforward and simple. Sam Ellinger, second-year quarterback, sixth-round pick. He's not going to have a whole lot at his disposal, especially when he has the league's worst running game around him, and then... Jonathan Taylor was not available Sunday. So what the Colts tried to do 
make life easy on them. Uh, over the middle throws with some pick routes, not a bad idea. Some RPOs that had some safe throws to the outside or handoffs up the middle. And occasional deep shots, you know, what the hell? We got to go deep at some point. Nothing worked. <laughs> Nothing will work when your quarterback is on his back as often as Ellinger was. And you had one play in which Matt Judon is just unblocked in the red zone, which is a total fundamental failure and one of the worst coaching mishaps I've seen at least watching Patriots tape this season and obviously a missed assignment. But this was a Colts offensive line that also couldn't block basic stunts where Judon got his first two sacks in the same maneuver, standing on the edge, defensive tackle next to him, opposite the guard, you know, goes after the tackle and kind of a pick. And then Judon loops behind him. Instead of staying on the edge, he goes up the middle. And then voila, he is wide open, untouched up the middle, getting a sack of Sam Ellinger. Juan Bentley got that in the same manner, coming off the edge and looping up the middle. The Colts offensive line was just hot trash. They, they subbed out their right guard, Matt Pryor, and it was because the defense which also got three sacks from Josh Uche, was all over them and had everything covered deep. No cracks, none whatsoever. Um, Jalen Mills, zero catches, a lot of five targets. The defense was everywhere. And again, this should have been expected. I think this was a better performance than anyone probably could have guessed. You don't see a near franchise record every time. Judon, three sacks. Uh, mentioned Josh Uche, three sacks. This, we can't say it was expected, right? Like this, <laughs> I am teasing the Josh Uche breakout every training camp. I think since he got here where last year, I said he might be a 10 sack guy. Well, he just matched his sack total from last season in about 90 minutes on Sunday. And the best parts of that weren't just like, you know, the, the goal in the stat sheet, he's, he's, he's just getting sacks. Cause one of them was about, I think a zero yard uh, takedown or, or loss for the Colts. It was that he was rushing with discipline and all of that talent that even Matt Judon is saying post game is unlocked because he's not flying off the edge and getting behind the quarterback, then allowing a rushing lane for Ellinger or whomever else to scramble. He's staying even when he gets upfield, even on those speed rushes. He had a couple snaps and run defense, okay? Set the edge there well, too. He's dropping into coverage. Like, this is the well-rounded player that we saw at Michigan and looked like he had so much more potential the Patriots tapped into. Uche's playing like that guy now. And it's not a one-week blip exactly because he played well against the Jets, had a couple of pressures against the Bears. So the breakout's not here, but it might be on the way if he keeps playing like this, which, of course, depends on the Patriots getting uh, opposing offenses and passing situations. But look, three sacks is three sacks. And the best parts for Josh Uche were kind of in the details on that, which is a great sign. Otherwise, Juwan Bailey still balling out. 22 tackles, a sack, a couple quarterback hits, an interception against the Jets. That's much better in the first few weeks when we're talking about, okay, if he can't stop the run, What's the worth of having Juwan Bentley? Well, it's stopping the run like the Patriots did and all that extra stuff. So the defense obviously dominated, very encouraging, pressure rate of 40%. And you look into deeper into some of the numbers, it's not just that they're getting pressure, it's they're getting pressure with four. And that has been the big key, as we've talked about before, thanks to Judon and Uche, naturally talented pass rushers, but also the way they're scheming up. And sometimes against the Jets, it's complicated. Like with all of these uh, different creepers or simulated pressures and guys are dropping out and rushing in, or it's just, we're going to swap assignments and we're going to run a stunt and the Colts can't block that whatsoever. So well done all around. Jonathan Jones, of course, had the pick six. At some point when you're up 19 to three, the shine gets worn off a little bit, but you got to feel good for a guy like that who, you know, I've had nothing but positive interactions with Jonathan Jones, um, who played a little bit more safety in this game too. That was one of those details that like I have in my notes, during the game, and I'm looking for that after the game. In my rewatch, I think like, this is 
there's just no reason to talk about Jonathan Jones playing safety, which I think was probably because of how the Colts use Paris Campbell as a, as a fast three. So he's running all these deep over routes and you want whatever safety that he's cutting across to be just as fast as him. Well, there we, we just talked about Jonathan Jones, but anyway, uh, great game for him. Obviously had the pump block. We covered that defense dominated. I think it was, let me find the exact number here because this is the fewest yards allowed for the Patriots since 2019 when they faced the jets in about week three, the Colts had a total of 121 yards. So at some point that number just, that says more than I could add to anything right now. On to the bad. I have more numbers for the bad, which as we mentioned was basically the whole offense. And now I want to say something up front to get ahead of what is probably going to be some natural knee-jerk reaction or criticism as far as we can't go all in on the offense after a big win. You win by 23. I don't care how bad the opponent is. That's a good day. Hey, guys, just a quick break from a football podcast to remind you basketball is back. And Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting needs this season. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. And as your continued source for all your sports wagering information, Bet Online features live betting, free contests, and live scores. Plus giveaways, free giveaways all season long. You can always find the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports, including the NFL, NBA, NHL, MMA, tennis, boxing, even golf. Yes, yes, they're still playing golf. So head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 50%, 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use the promo code CLNS50. Again, that's CLNS50 to receive your rewards at BetOnline, where the game starts. However. This is not all on coaching. It is not all on the quarterback. It is not all on the offensive line, but it is bad because we have now had Mac Jones healthy for two full games. He has played defenses that while talented, at least the Colts are up front, uh, are pretty simple and straightforward. And the Patriots answers have not been able to overcome that where they like to morph and change and game plan and scheme that hasn't helped them. And Mac Jones has not been able to deliver, um, in any sort of scheme or game plan against these defenses, and they'll get the Jets on the other side of the bye. But there is one problem, as much as all of those areas are contributing to this offense, really struggling. Again, one touchdown, 19 points after 22 against the Jets, and their bottom 12 by EPA, estimated points added by the run and pass right now. And the way I see it is trust. And it's not that Mac Jones goes home and starts bitching about Matt Patricia or Joe Judge or Bill Belichick, though I'm sure at some point that's happened, or that they do the opposite about Mac when they go home. It's just when you look at the Patriots play, they're missing some sort of kind of connective tissue. And that connective tissue comes from timing, which can only happen about with trust in the first place. So I'm talking about Mac hanging in for an extra second in the face of pressure, which when you look at the stats, you go four sacks, that's all on the offensive line. In reality, he was responsible for at least two of them. If you go to pro football focus, they're saying he was responsible for three. This is his decision to bail prematurely from pockets, which we've seen since late August because of the struggles up front. This is also his decision to stop his full field reads. You look at that uh, first sack that he had, A, he darts out of the pocket when he still had another second in there. Hunter Henry's open in the flat. You'd be like, okay, you're playing Monday morning quarterback. The trouble was when you zoom out, I haven't said that one in a while, uh, Mac Jones played like a high-end backup, okay? Because the height of his praise 
inside or outside the team was, well, he didn't turn the ball over. That sounds like the pat on the back chase Daniel gets, okay, when he goes in for his one or two starts per year, because you know what he is? A high-end backup. And otherwise, Mac Jones had two passes, two passes completed 10 yards or more down the field. So we talked about the first sack. You look at another sack he had, which was a, a zero-yard game, but it came third and goal, third quarter. And this played to me encapsulated what I talked about before as far as trust. And that goes to protection. It goes to players he wants to throw to. And also the play calls that the Patriots will have that we'll get to coaching in a minute because this was a at best C minus performance from Matt Patricia. Third and goal, they're at the three. Mac Jones motions in Ramondre Stevenson from his right. Stevenson stops in the backfield. Mac gives this kind of motion where he flicks his right arm behind his back, telling him to keep motioning out. What this does is it draws a defender out of the box, okay? And with John o. Smith at tight end on his right and Stevenson flying left, Mac takes a snap, looks at Stevenson running this short wheel route. Again, they're at the three-yard line, third and goal. And he goes up the sideline. He's perfectly well covered. Mac continues to stare at him. His Taekwondo Thornton's blanketed by Stefan Gilmore, which happened a lot on Sunday. It is Steph. Keeps looking, keeps looking, keeps looking. Meanwhile, over the middle, John o. Smith is coming open. He's got a linebacker in his back pocket. And Mac needs to make a decision because Trent Brown, the left tackle at cup block, that says the ball needs to be out quickly. Well, if it's covered, you also need to move off and get to that read because when Stevenson came across the formation with that motion, again, right to left, John o. Smith is the right side tight end. He cleared out that space for John o. Smith. And what Mac did, staring at Stevenson and then Thornton, instead of throwing the ball over the middle to John o. Smith, which was a 12-yard throw from where Mac was standing to where Johnny was running along the goal line. It's tight coverage, and he had a split second, but that's NFL open, and that's an NFL play you can try low at the ankles, and if it's incomplete, he just drops it, you kick a field goal, no risk, and then Max instead bails right and gets out of the pocket. He's staring at Stevenson right now, or in that play, I should say, because Ramondre has really been the only player the Patriots coaching staff and his teammates can trust. That dude balls out week in and week out. We've talked about the touchdowns, his receptions, second of the team in catches. He is gaining and averaging 3.2 yards per rush after contact when more than half of the Patriots rushes are being met at the line of scrimmage. That goes for the last four weeks combined. So Max stared at him on third and goal. Took too long, missed an opportunity over the middle. That's a lack of trust in anyone else but Stevenson. He did the same thing, third and three. Four minutes, 30 seconds left in the third quarter. Stevenson is one of two receivers off to the left. He's got a bunch set to the right. Again, Tyquan Thornton on this snap goes straight up field. Stefan Gilmore has him blanketed. Stevenson's coming up the field. He's got Bobby Okariki, who covered him four times on Sunday. Allowed one catch, it was the touchdown. Otherwise, shut him out. Max stares and stares and stares. Meanwhile, the three receivers to his right, including Kendrick Bourne, come open because you know what happens in a bunch set in third and three? That's a lot of traffic. It's hard for defenses to account for, and Bourne runs a little stop route. Well, Mac never sees this because he's staring dead ahead, and then as soon as Stevenson leaves backfield, he's just watching for that matchup. And then he throws the ball hurriedly because he doesn't trust the protection, and he's not looking anywhere else. And in fairness to him, look, Trust is earned. Kendrick Bourne fumbled again, second time this season on Sunday. Okay, Nelson Aguilar has been fumbling all over the place. Thornton, as I just mentioned, not getting away from coverage. And Jacoby Myers last week was responsible for a near pick six. But when you focus in like that and you stare down receivers, nothing good happens. 
So whether it's him bailing prematurely on the two sacks, staring down Stevenson on the two plays that we just talked about, Mac does not have a whole lot of trust in the players around him. And when you step back further from that, it seems from the play calling in my mind that the Patriots staff doesn't have a lot of confidence in him. Now, I'm not saying this is permanent. All I'm saying is it's been warranted by his play because Again, if you were the biggest Mac stand, the biggest Mac defender, you might be going, well, this is all from the protection. If they just protected him better, then he would be fine. He got pressured on, I had him 38%. The thing is, his numbers this year in a clean pocket aren't even that good. And that's normally, you know, the most transferable um, or predictive measure of a quarterback play. Like, how good are you when it's just you delivering a ball on time and on point? His adjusted completion percentage basically just means how accurately do you put the ball and how often 77% sounds really good. The trouble is that's 22nd in the league, according to pro football focus. When you look at guys who have played at least a couple games this season, 22nd in accuracy in clean pockets. He's had three touchdowns, two interceptions, and he's averaging just seven and a half yards per pass. So that's when you remove the pressure. That's just from clean pockets. He's been about average with just one more touchdown than interceptions so it's a lot to look at whether you go individual plays or their total numbers but it's not all in the protection because when he's had time he hasn't used it the solution ultimately for him is you just kind of hope he gets better uh but part of that is going to be up to matt patricia of course is calling plays no matter what bill wants to say and when you look at the play calling for matt patricia Again, I said C-minus, that might have even been kind because there were things that we covered about this team when you look at the numbers that they Patriots should have played with two tight ends at least on a third, maybe even half their snaps. The Colts were the third worst defense in the league against 12 personnel, two tight ends, okay? The Patriots used 12 personnel, two tight ends, on 13% of their snaps before the final drive when they're just running the clock out. So the third worst defense in the league, when you beef up, okay, and these tight ends can run up the seams, which are weak spots in the Colts' base coverage, cover three, and you do this on basically one out of every 10 snaps. Now, the other part about Matt Patricia and specifically is Justin Mac Jones, the good part about the Colts' defense, aside from a couple individual defenders, DeForest Buckner and Gilmore, who we talked about, is that they're pretty good against the run. Sixth by DVOA coming into this game. Despite that, Matt Patricia decided it was a good idea to call runs on eight of his first 11 first down plays. First downs, however, are also the easiest and safest time and place for a quarterback to drop back to pass because A, you have the threat of a run, which helps certainly with play action, and B, defenses, which have to respect the run, are playing simpler coverages. What Matt Patricia instead chose to do was bang his head against the sixth best run defense in the league. Of those eight runs on their first 11 first down plays, two were successful and three went backwards. Okay. Mac Jones, meanwhile, when passing on first downs, five for five, 36 yards. And among them was a 24 yard screen to, you guessed it, a tight end. And this is not only just attacking your opponent's strengths. Okay, it's not putting your players in a position to succeed because the Patriots two biggest gains against the Colts, both passes two tight ends, Hunter Henry for 29 in the second half. And then aforementioned 24 yard screen to John Smith. We did not see enough of either of them. And because of this decision making, not only are you 
eschewing possible opportunities for explosive pass plays on first down, or maybe even for short games. Because when Mac Jones threw to these two tight end sets, he was three for three for 14 yards. Not great numbers, but on a day when you had 203 total yards, you're going to take those gains. You needed more passes to tight ends. You need more plays with two tight ends in the field. Because instead, when you're running straight ahead with this banged up, bad offensive line, 38.5% of your plays went for no gain or went backwards with this game plan. So whether you knew it in the moment watching, as we all did, or you want to run down any sort of those numbers, it was a bad job by Matt Patricia looking at a simple cover three defense, well talented, that is structured just to make you move the ball slowly down the field. Okay. And you could say they played the game they needed to. They wanted to run the ball and just play safe. We just ran down some of those numbers on first down. Okay. They had three negative first down runs in their first dozen play calls. None of the Patriots passing plays called in those first dozen first downs, first and tens went backwards. So that's not trusting Mac Jones to either get the ball out or not take a sack, which of course happened anyway, but it was a bad game plan, ill-conceived, and you needed some more of the obvious as opposed to asking James Ferentz to take on DeForest Buckner on these outside zones, which got absolutely demolished. Okay, let's end the bad right there. We're going to go to game balls now. Jonathan Jones, pick six. Block pump, my man. Hats off to you. You outscored the Colts all by yourself. Here's game ball. Second one, Josh Uche. Three sacks. Again, we talked about a master's whole season total. Dietrich Wise, who has one of the biggest grins on the team, smiling, talking about this at the podium, but he told Josh, who couldn't believe it. Yes, you got three sacks. You also got a game ball. Uh, Matt Judon, just you're running out of room, surely in your closet or wherever you like to keep these. Another one. And I think that'll have to do it because we said offensively, you know, reminder Stevenson had a good game, four broken tackles. I say for him, that's on the lower end. Um, but those three guys deserve to have this more than anybody else. So, what would NFL film say? Patriots get to five and four. They beat the Colts, an old rivalry. Look, this very brief clip uh, in the imagined kind of hour long documentary or series or show, or whatever we call it, on the Patriots 2022 season is all about that block punt. They do a flashback to last year with the pump block in Indianapolis that put the Patriots in a huge hole. You get probably a clip of uh, Cam McCord calling the play. You see Jonathan Jones from like four different angles, flying in, slow motion, schooler rolling over, recovering it, regular motion, speed, celebration. Okay. You show the touchdown to Stevenson and then just a bunch of sacks because this game, again, straightforward, nothing to write home about. Um, certainly a mention in the locker room. Um, about the right call and the right play. Schooler was talking to me about that's just kind of what we needed. And they had tried a similar block earlier in the game. It didn't work, though, but obviously this delivered. So the Patriots deliver a blow to an old rival. They play complimentary football in the way that Bill Belichick wants, and you get revenge on the Colts for last year's loss in the exact way that they beat you a year ago. And that'll be it. So you will not hear from me again this week. Going to take a little break. Coaches are getting, I think, a three-day weekend starting, of course, on Friday, and the players are off. Thursday through Sunday, I'm going to try to follow the player schedule. But, of course, with the Patriots, you never know. I think it's safe to say, though, they will not be hiring Damian Woody from ESPN to replace Bill Belichick anytime soon. God bless the Colts. So, until then, we will have a guest next time we come back. A little preview of the Jets. And it's not quite Thanksgiving yet, but I think we need to look at the schedule. Jets, Vikings, Bills. This is when the real football starts to count. So at least the Patriots are 5-4, and four, still in the hunt, thanks to a big win like Sunday's 26-3. It was ugly, but still needed. So until then, so long. 
and enjoy the bye.